Why should I be frightened of dying? You know reason for it. You better go sometimes. Hello. Welcome to the Sam Reed's Near-Death Experiences podcast. Uh, today we are back on form um, with two near-death experiences that I'm just going to read and uh, not really go into any super deep analysis or anything. I'm just going to read and let them uh, speak for themselves um, because I think at their heart, each of these near-death experiences is going to touch someone in a different way. Um, and speaking of which, I'm going to share how I found out about these. Um, there was actually a listener of the podcast named Steve who sent me a very nice email and uh, shared that these two uh, stories um, are two of his favorites um, that he found on the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website, nderf.org. So I read them, and I thought they were really cool, and so uh, I wanted to share them. So this is the first uh, listener-requested uh, near uh, podcast, uh, taking requests from the audience, <laughs> like a cover band. Um, no, uh, I really like these, so uh, thanks to Steve for reaching out. Um, so uh, to start out with, I just wanted to share a little bit of news. Um, I have made a Facebook page for the podcast, um, Sam Reed's Near-Death Experiences podcast, so you can find it on Facebook um, and and like it and uh, follow along. I'll try and post stuff on there every now and then. And I have begun the process of uploading um, some of the podcasts to YouTube. Um so if you prefer to listen on YouTube instead of, you know, on a podcast app or something, those will be available. I've only gotten the first three so far, so um, it, it's kind of a lengthy process. So I'm going to keep on uh, uh, chipping away at it, um, getting getting all of them up there. But um, there's three up there at the moment, so um, check those out. Um, so I guess I'll just give a little background about uh, these near-death experiences um, to start with. The first one I'm going to talk about is um, from a woman named Deborah, uh, and this occurred back in 1997. And it's kind of kind of a, a different one because she doesn't actually die. Um, her brother dies, and... Uh, uh, in the month following his death, she she has a, d a dream and, and a dream that kind of changes from a dream into what is best described as the typical kind of near-death experience where she encounters her brother. And um, kind of interesting that it's these experiences don't just come in one variety, like, um, you know, dreams, hallucinations, visions, uh, near-death experiences uh, being close to death, being uh, really scared from having a close call, you know, there's lots of different varieties. And so this one was kind of interesting um, in that regard. So she has this dream um, and encounters her brother and, and uh, gets a lot of wisdom from it, a lot of knowledge and um, has the feeling of knowing everything, which is kind of cool. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll just... I'll just uh, 
get right into that, and then I'll explain the next one uh, after Deborah's story. So without any further ado, here is Deborah's near-death experience. I grew up under very challenging circumstances, in an alcoholic home where I felt emotionally neglected. My brother, who was 10 years older than I, was instrumental in my upbringing. He was a kind, generous, funny, and nurturing person. I was very close to him throughout my life. He was my whole sense of identity, love, and family. During my teen years, I was awkward. He always told me that I was smart and beautiful, and we had so many good times together. Unfortunately, in 1992, when he was just 40 years old, he was diagnosed with HIV-AIDS. I was devastated, but of course I stood by him and supported him throughout his illness. My mother and grandmother also stood by him, but the extended family, my aunt, uncle, and cousins who were like parents and siblings to us, cut him out of their lives. My mother, brother, and I were no longer invited to family functions, and it hurt my brother deeply. I was angry to my core and swore that I would never speak to or forgive my relatives again for how they behaved. They were dead to me, and I was going to take that anger to my grave. On June 16, 1997, after a five-year struggle with HIV-AIDS, my brother passed away at the age of 44. In the days following his death, I was so traumatized that I couldn't even taste food. Yet, I managed to function and handle his funeral arrangements. I felt completely numb, but I went back to work the day after his funeral, thinking that it would be better to be working than sitting home alone. I don't remember the exact date of my experience, but it was several weeks after my brother passed away. The experience happened shortly before what would have been my brother's 45th birthday. I know that it was a Saturday night and I went to bed like any other night. I began dreaming. All of a sudden, the dream began to fade and something began nudging me to turn. Everything began to feel very different from a dream. I turned halfway around and saw my brother standing before me. He looked wonderful. He had a glow about him and his face was very relaxed, calm, and peaceful. He was perfectly healthy and he was wearing an outfit that he had worn only once about a year or so before he died. It was a black turtleneck shirt, white jeans, and black and white sneakers. His hair was short and he had a nicely trimmed goatee. What amazed me is that I had liked his outfit the day that he wore it and I thought he looked very handsome but I never said anything to him. Of course, I never thought about that outfit again. It really struck me that he was standing before me wearing it. My brother began speaking to me, but it was telepathic. He was speaking directly to my mind. It struck me as a much more efficient way to communicate, and it seemed very natural. They asked me who I wanted to communicate through he said, and I told them I wanted to communicate through my sister. I'm sorry that my illness has affected you, but it is something that I had to do for myself. 
I didn't really understand what he meant by either statement, but I responded by asking if I could come with him. It was almost an assumption on my part that I would be journeying on with him, but my brother said that I had a lot of living left to do and that I had a responsibility to myself to go back and continue with my life. Apparently I had a purpose to fulfill. Even though we were very much linked in life, he said, we have very different paths to follow. You need to follow your path. There was nothing that you could have done to change what happened to me, and nothing that you could have done differently. Nothing would have changed the outcome. I was suddenly aware that I was in a room of sorts. Everything was awash in gray tones. I had the sense of walls, but I didn't actually see any. I knew, however, that I wasn't going beyond those walls. My brother began motioning to a white marble bust on a pedestal that had no head or arms, just the torso. One thing that you have to understand about our cousins is that they just didn't have it in them to be any different than they were when I was sick. Look at this bust. It has no arms. You wouldn't expect a person without arms to play the piano or to catch a ball. It's the same concept with our cousins and how they behaved. They didn't have it in them to be any different. I nodded and looked at the statue. His words seemed to make sense to me. If you carry bitterness and hatred towards them in your heart, you will only end up poisoning your own life, he continued. You must consider them as souls who are spiritually handicapped. Then, in the blink of an eye, I wasn't in the room with my brother anymore. I was suspended in the cosmos, amidst a vast and beautiful field of stars. It was absolutely breathtaking. I could see the planets glowing and orbiting silently, and I was suddenly struck by the knowledge that the universe wasn't chaotic at all. In fact, it was a highly synchronous realm that had been painstakingly created by a loving and intelligent creator. That realization touched me to the core of my soul. Suddenly, I began getting hit with a vast amount of knowledge. It was coming at me very rapidly, and my mind began absorbing everything that there was to know about science, music, art history, physics, and math. It was a huge burst of knowledge, and I understood everything despite the rapid speed at which it was flowing. I was never very good at math, especially throughout grade school, but I found that I was able to comprehend some very complex mathematical calculations in this other realm. I knew that those calculations had some kind of universal significance. I remember thinking that everything about life in the universe made complete sense and that I finally had the answers to everything that I had ever wondered about. It was an amazing feeling of infinite knowledge, and it was wondrous and breathtaking beyond description. Suddenly, I was back with my brother, and he spoke to me again. We had a long talk about my life purpose, but unfortunately I don't remember any of what my brother told me about my purpose. I think that I was still trying to convince him to let me stay, but whatever he told me was acceptable to me. I had a sense of acceptance about going back to my life. I noticed that my brother was fading and his tone became urgent. 
When you go back, you must remember there are no mistakes in life. There are no mistakes. Money, material possessions, and job titles don't matter. The only things that matter in life are love and knowledge. There is nothing else. You must remember that. The last thing that he told me was to take care of our mother. My eyes flew open and I was back in my bed. It was a bright and beautiful Sunday morning and I had overslept. It was about 11 o'clock in the morning. I lived in a tiny city row house and the streets outside were teeming with life. I sat up in bed and realized that my senses were greatly heightened. I could hear everything outside, from traffic noises to birds chirping to caterpillars chewing on leaves. It was almost a sensory overload. I also had an amazing energy coursing through me that I couldn't describe. It was just pure energy, like an electric current but not painful. It felt amazing and very, very healing. I knew that my brother was fine and that everything was as it should be. Later that day, I went out into my backyard garden and was struck by how vivid all the flowers were. The colors were extremely vivid. It was as if I was seeing the world through brand new eyes. When I took a walk through my neighborhood, I was struck by the people that passed by and I felt their souls. I realized then that we are all connected and that was very touching. I wanted to write down everything that I had learned in the other realm, especially all of the knowledge that I had been given when I was suspended in the universe. Unfortunately, I couldn't remember any specifics, only that I had once known everything. Sadly, the wonderful healing energy that I had began to fade with each passing hour until it was gone. To this day, I yearn for that feeling again. Okay, so that was Deborah's near-death experience. Um, like I mentioned before, it's not it's not the uh, modality that the typical near-death experience occurs in, like in a dream. Um, usually, near-death experiences happen when you know you're actually dying, or there's some experience that's related to your own death. But this occurred through her brother's death, and, and it came in the form of a dream. But once she was in that dream and once she crossed over that that kind of line into what we would call a near-death experience, it had some of the classic um, kind of features of near-death experiences like telepathic communication, um, uh, seeing of a dead, uh, meeting a dead loved one, uh, in this case her brother who um, is trying to almost counsel her or, or kind of, uh, you know, get her back to living her life. And of course, one thing that that almost everyone comes away from a near-death experience uh, with is a sense of purpose, like uh, you have a purpose in life. And so that was um, reiterated here. And then there was also the when she floats in the cosmos and the stars and, and she has the feeling of gaining almost infinite knowledge of mathematics and stuff she was never really good at, but she, she said everything made sense. And, and there was, um, you know, that feeling of, of everything clicking 
in a way, which you, you see in other near-death experiences. And then finally, once she woke up, um, uh, she had almost uh, enhanced senses in a way. She said it's like looking at the world with brand new eyes. And that is going to be something to, to look out for in this next uh, near-death experience that I'm going to read. Um, there's a similar kind of phenomenon uh, towards the end, so so keep your ears open for that. Um, this next one is uh, uh, coming from a woman named uh, Romy, Romy, I believe, um, and she was uh, in a car with her family traveling uh, in India on a vacation, and the car, for unexplained reasons, goes off the road, and it starts tumbling down the mountain. Um, and so she has this near-death experience, and, and to start with, there's, well, you'll see, it's it's pretty cool. Um, so Romy's uh, experience happened around the, actually the same time as Deborah's, um, roughly, it's a year apart. Uh, it happened in 1996. Um, so these are still relatively recent um, occurrences, so... Um, yeah, I'm uh, excited to read this one. So uh, without any further ado, here is Romy's near-death experience. I was in a car with my family on a trip in India when suddenly there was a commotion. There was a sound of the car going off-road, and I could see both my brothers the one who was sitting in the back and the one in the front, jumping and trying to catch the wheel. The car was tumbling down the mountain. The circumstances in the car were in the back of my awareness. In the front of my awareness, I heard a masculine, comforting voice say several times slowly, It is all okay. Part of the meaning of this in Hebrew is, Everything is in order. Surprisingly, I was experiencing absolute peace, and I felt no fear. As the car was tumbling down the mountain, turning and bumping against the hard surfaces, the voice calmly said, Roll with it, as if it was just a movement exercise. Feeling absolute peace, I let myself roll. The voice came as if from inside my head, but at the same time, it wasn't me. It was very comforting, stable, and strong. I did not recognize the voice, but I connected to it very deeply, and I knew that I could trust it with all my heart. As I was rolling with every tumble, I suddenly wasn't in the car anymore. I experienced complete trust. I was surrounded with space as I saw my whole life unfolding. I was watching millions of the pictures of my life's events, like a movie broken down into picture frames. All the little deeds, thoughts, and moments upon moments, even the ones I forgot ever happened, they were all there. It was such a fascinating sight. The most curious thing was that the pictures were not connected to one another. They had a gap between them that looked like a string of light. It looked like they were threaded upon this string of light. My main feelings were equanimity, awe, and curiosity. There was a strong feeling of inquiry and inquisitiveness 
as I was examining everything. Every time a question came to me, the answer was immediately revealed. This unfolding of pictures and gaps developed and progressed continuously, presenting a constant, delicate, consequential line, in perfect order, a chain of events, yet somehow they were all happening at once. The past, the present, and the future were all happening at once. It was inspiring to witness the order and sense that all these little pictures seemed to have in the big picture. I felt a lot of compassion. I was all forgiven. In fact, there was nothing to forgive. I could see that my life had a perfect order to it. In some way, it was like watching a mathematical equation, or sum, that makes perfect sense. Such event and such event create this kind of result. It was a simple portrayal of natural cause and effect, with a gentle understanding. There was no judgment, only innocence. As I was watching this linear unfolding of pictures, I realized that just by looking and focusing on a specific picture, zooming in on it, I could also enter that scene, and then come back out of it, zoom out, and return to my place of observation. I looked back at my childhood. I could enter pictures there. From each picture, moment, or thought, there was always the possibility to access that light that separated between it and the next picture. I could also see all the thoughts I had all my life. Their pictures were as strong as the pictures that depicted actions or words. I was amazed to see that our thoughts are that strong, so real. It looked as though they were also threaded on a string of light. I realized that everything that happened to me and every single thought I had created an imprint. Every single event or thought influenced my life and the lives of those around me. Every feeling, every intention, every time I was aware of the light and gap between the pictures, everything counted. As I looked, I felt very peaceful. I could see how the last moment of my life was a result of everything that had ever happened to me. I could see my life was a perfect manifestation of just what it was, who I was. There was a complete acceptance, even of those moments that I remembered as less pleasant. My life, all our lives, were threaded with this light that filled the gap between each picture. In the moments that we are open to it, we connect with it. It is that simple. It is there always. The last moment or picture of my life was I rolling down the mountain in a car with my mother, my brothers, and the driver. I was suddenly inside that picture again. I could see how we are all connected. I was connected to everybody in a multifaceted light web, a DNA-like hologram that was in perfect order. Everything connected to everything with delicate threads of light which were the gaps between each moment. It showed my connection to other people, other souls, other incidents, moments past, future, and present. There was complete order and complete acceptance of everything. Then there were no more pictures, but a strong sense of motion forwards. 
I now was continuing onwards. I felt that I was leaping forward. There was nothing around me. There was only space. I tried to understand where I was. I felt very clear in my mind. I also felt happy and light. I was in another realm. Somehow I was still alive, but I didn't have a body. I know for a fact that I am, that I exist. I sensed that I had left my body. I reflected upon the last picture I saw in my thread of life, of myself inside the car that was rolling down a mountain, and concluded it must have been the last moment of my life in a fatal car accident. I now realized and understood that there was life after death. I have died and left my body, yet I still exist. I tried to understand where I was. I was in transition. All I could notice different from before, besides not having a body, was that the air, or the space, was of a slightly different consistency and shade. I reflected on how this whole transition between life and death is very smooth and calm. It became clear to me that death is the continuation of life, and not the opposite of it. It was ongoing. I felt vibrant like a child, very curious to see what was next, looking at everything with new eyes. Next, I felt myself emerging out of a vacuum-like blackness. I had immense speed. I had no body, but my spirit had eyes. Around me was a scenery like earth, I thought. There were trees and rocks. We were on a mountainside. I say we because after traveling for a while swiftly through this scenery, I could see myself, my body, sitting on the mountain's edge. I was leaning forward towards the abyss. I joined my body to see what was going on and found myself looking at this immense light. It was amazing. I recognized the light from meditation experiences I had, moments of insight, spiritual experiences, and strong experiences of unconditional love. Actually, I realized this light was threaded inside every moment of my life, and I have always, always known it and had access to it. I felt deep intimacy and powerful love, a great surrender, relief, and joy. From what I have seen, our lives were threaded with this light, which fills the gap between each moment. At each moment, every situation, and every thought, the light is always available to us. If we're aware that it's there, we can remind ourselves to call on it, to connect to it. I was now sitting near this light, near the source of it. I had never felt it so strongly. It was everything. Everything I have ever needed, everything I need, or everything I might ever need in the future. Everything was in this light. It was warm. It had an immense healing and nourishing quality to it. It was pure, immense, powerful, unconditional love. I knew I could trust this light. I was kneeling in front of this light. All I could feel was a great yearning to be part of it. 
I was aware of being presented with a choice. With gratitude, I decide that I must merge with this light. I know that I do not want to choose anything different. I smiled a big smile and jumped. For one eternal moment, I was one with it. The next moment, I saw my body lying down on the ground and felt like I was entering it. I came back to life. I understood that somehow I'm back in life. I felt quite surprised since I didn't think I'd made that choice. The first thing I realized was that I cannot breathe. The voice that was with me at the beginning of my experience came again and said, Contract your diaphragm. I did forcefully and that's how I started to breathe. Then I began to feel my senses. There was a terrible taste in my mouth like dirt, a horrible smell in the air that was filled with gasoline and smoke. For the next hour, many interesting things happened. I think that because of the near-death experience, a different window of perception has suddenly opened in my awareness. It was as if that window took some time to close. For a while, even though I was back here in my body, I could get glimpses from that other realm. I can in all honesty say that my near-death experience was the most powerful, insightful, and joyous experience I had ever had. So that was Romy's near-death experience. I thought it was really fascinating. This is, you know, more of a classic type of near-death experience, but um, it has, while the experience is happening, while, while she's tumbling down the hill, I almost imagine it going like slow motion or something, but she's getting uh, instructions and getting guidance from a male voice, um, which she describes as being inside her yet seeming like it's outside of her and and that reminds me of of um you know speculations of a of a higher divine self that we all contain and that we all have a relationship to um the uh hindu atman or even the concept of the self in union psychology uh with a capital l s um or the inner Christ or the inner Buddha or some kind of divine divine part of ourselves that's hidden deep within. Um, and this comforts her and tells her what to do, just roll with it, you know. I thought that was <laughs> that was pretty pretty incredible. And then um, this near-death experience spends a lot of time with um, you know, the uh, typical feature of, of the near-death experience phenomenon, which is the life review. And she, uh, Romy talks about how it's all kind of connected past, present, and future with these moments. And, and that's something that you see quite often. Um, and, you know, and then there's also this, this, uh, like I mentioned before with, with, uh, Deborah, that there's these heightened senses that she she experiences, um, uh, heightened awareness, and and eventually coming across uh, this light, this light that's made of unconditional love, which is almost ubiquitous, uh, I would say, in most near death experiences. Um, 
and uh, it's kind of kind of strange. She makes the choice to join the light, and yet she ends up back in her body. Most near-death experiences, they're given a choice or either given a choice of saying, okay, you can come with us or you have to go back. Or sometimes they're just told, hey, you have to go back. You have a purpose to fulfill. But um, apparently Romy's purpose was was to be fulfilled back back um, in this realm. So uh, I thought that was just pretty fascinating and and another kind of... Um, feeling that I got from from Romy's near-death experience, which is one you get from from many, um, including Deborah's, was uh, the sense of purpose, um, sense of everything happening for a reason. Um, and this is even uh, kind of um, given to us by Deborah's brother, who, who tells us um, there are no mistakes. There are no mistakes, you know. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what your job title is. You know, what matters is love and knowledge, but there are no mistakes. Everything happens for a reason. And, you know, people like to like to be skeptical of that and like to... Um, people like to say that's BS, that everything happens for a reason. But I can say it seems to me that whether or not it's actually true it seems like it's a very comforting thing to believe. <laughs> you know, it's it's easier to go through life knowing that whenever something happens that it's not just, we're not just random victims being crushed by a cruel and, uh, cruel and apathetic God. You know, it's, I think there's a psychological benefit to, to believing and and experiencing um, things happening for a reason, I know I've had you know experiences. I I don't think I've ever met anyone who hasn't had some bad or, or thing turn out that they didn't it didn't turn out the way they wanted to, but something good came of it. You know, of course there are tragedies that happen and senseless violence and traumatic experiences and everything, but I think. This life is a little easier to live if if we think there's a purpose to it. Um, so with that, I will wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you'd like to to reach out, uh, you can do so on the Facebook page, which is newly created. Um, or if you want to shoot me an email, um, you can do so at samreadsneardeathexperiences at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, uh, look forward to hearing from you all. Um, you know, if you have a favorite near death experience, you can send it to me and maybe I'll read it. Um, so thanks to Steve for sending these two cause I really enjoyed them and I hope you enjoyed them too. So now I will finish off with a quote about death. So this quote comes from the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the, um, uh, sacred Hindu texts, and it just struck a chord with me. It, it seems deeply true to me, and I wanted to share it with you all. Never the spirit was born. The spirit shall cease to be never. Never was time it was not. End and beginning are dreams. <laughs>